welcome and welcome back to Unapologetically Black Unicorns. It's always so exciting to be here. I have a guest, someone who I just met. I met her at a tarot shop. Okay, that sounds really sketch, perhaps. Not sketch at all. (laughs) She was actually a a featured speaker at this shop, and um, I was so happy to hear her speak. But I am actually going to let Marianne introduce herself. So, Marianne, would you uh, mind introducing yourself? So my name is Marian. I'm an artist and illustrator. Uh, I'm self-taught. I've been drawing since I was about two years old and learned some skills along the way. And I also developed an interest in tarot, divination, and spirituality in general. And uh, there came a point where I felt like joining my two passions and create uh, a deck of cards. It turned out to be a really perfect way for me to share my work. I'm quite shy and I always found it difficult to, you know, go up to people and tell them, you know, hey, I'm an artist. <laughs> uh, look at my stuff. Um, that was very difficult for me to do. So I spent a lot of time in my head and naturally, well, tarot is a little bit like that too. You know, you, um, you look at pictures and you find meaning in them. They're like these little mirrors uh, for the soul. That's what I like to call them. I actually used tarot back then when I was excessively anxious, which is not a good practice. But it's it's kind of a natural thing to do. You know, it's in our times of weakness that we, we tend to turn to these tools. But I didn't want to create something that was going to be used in that way. I wanted to create something that wouldn't add to the confusion and, you know, in a sense, make you face what you were running from when you picked up the cards in the first place. Um, not in a, in a forceful way, but like, hey, um, you're feeling something, um, let's talk about it. And that's how my, my first deck, the Oracle deck called Reclaim was born. Wow. So and um, actually, that's the first, one of the first decks that I got of yours um, was mm-hmm. the Reclaim Oracle. And, you know, on my podcast on occasion, people will hear me talk about tarot and and oracle decks and um, my love of them because of the images. And I I love how you talk about them as um, like little mirrors. I had never thought of them before. I'm like, I usually say they're like um, art galleries in my pocket, quite frankly, that's how I talk about them. But um, when you say that you're wanting people to use them so that they're not running away from something, but kind of I guess, leaning into it. How did you find that using it could be a bit, I don't want to say harmful, but harmful to you, or maybe um, wasn't helping with your um, anxiety or um, your emotional well-being? Yeah, well, because I, you know, I would like do reading after reading until I got the answer I wanted to hear, you know, and which is very silly, because in, in the end, you interpret whatever you want to interpret. It's, it's, you read tarot through your own filters, through your own experiences, your own memories, your own trauma. And if you're not in a good place, you're not going to have the kind of clarity that you need when you're reading cards, you know. So it can be pretty damaging in the end and not at all helpful. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I felt like as an artist, knowing that and having that experience, that negative experience, I couldn't possibly create something that was just going to make it worse for people so I decided to focus on emotions 
and especially the difficult ones, the ones that wouldn't really like to wallow in, the ones that are very uncomfortable. I just knew they had to be in the deck. And so I started brainstorming and I wrote this long list of all these feelings and states of being and states of mind that, you know, we can go through as a, as a human being through your lifetime. I ended up with about a hundred. <laughs> it felt like a lot. So I settled on 88, which is like my birth year. And I like double digits. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really made a point of like having a, a good balance of, um, not positive and negative, you know. I look at emotions as a full spectrum. Mm-hmm. It's very nuanced, it's very complex, and it's very personal. I really love how you um, are classifying emotions as full spectrum. You know, people know, and, and you know, I've, I've told you as well, that I'm a person with lived experience of a mental health condition or mental health diagnosis. And, you know, when I was really struggling, you know, my mom would really worry about my emotions, right? So much so my family, my entire family actually would do this is they wouldn't tell me things if they thought it would make me cry or make me upset. And yeah. one day I found out about something, you know, after the fact, and I said, well, why didn't you tell me? She said, well, we didn't want to upset you. And I'm like, what? She said, we didn't want to make you cry. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? She goes, well, you know, if you, you cry, then, then um, you know, well, that, that might exacerbate your mental illness. And I said, okay, back her up. Let's know. Wait, wait. And, and I really wanted my mother to understand that um, I felt like um, crying and being sad is one of many emotions that we have. And I need to express that emotion when something sad happens and not to be protected from having that emotion. I can't always be happy. I can't always be pleased. I can't always be, you know what I mean? So um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that sort of range of emotion. And I saw that in Reclaim, which I really, which is why I really like that particular deck, because sometimes um, cards can be so overwhelmingly positive. It's a little sickening. (laughs) So do you find that that resonated with people when you um, created the Reclaim deck and, you know, put in, you know, the whole range of emotions? Yeah, I was, I mean, I I was a little worried about that, but the reception was amazing. And honestly, it's been very healing for me just to put it out there and see how people responded. I, I just, I felt seen, I felt heard, even though I wasn't even trying to do that. I was just trying to create something that would be somewhat helpful but it was very moving for me then to have feedback and to realize that people saw themselves in the cards and I realized that we are connected with one another through the language of emotions and that's how we understand each other and there's so much power in that and so much so much strength for us to gain when you have that sense of connection you realize that you are not alone um, not truly, mm-hmm. and simply just talking about your feelings with someone, it can be even with a stranger, it's even better, I think, with a stranger, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's very healing, just spending time just like, not thinking about your feelings, but just feeling them, coming back to the body where, where they live, and just paying attention, just listening, observing, that's where healing really happens, I think. So to be clear, you know, just to do a, a description, and we'll have a link to um, your site, but 
you know, the, the, the cards themselves are not just words on a card. I mean, there, there are words mm -hmm. on the cards, right? But, but they're also images. And what I appreciated too was about being able to see myself, not just through the words and explore my own emotions, but also through the images, which are, so I'm just going to put it this way and you can reframe it in the correct art way, <laughs> but they were sort of these blobular people, you know, they were, they were like, <laughs> you know what I mean? They were sort of bendy and some were big and some were small and um, all of them were a um, kind of a dusty rose color, I think is how mm. I would describe the color. But what, you know, many times I'm looking at either tarot decks or Oracle decks and it's hard to find myself in them visually in the sense of, um, you know, a brown woman, black woman, you know, who's big, like, where do I find that in a tarot deck, uh, especially like a, a writer, Waite Smith, you know, which is all of these sort of Grecian, pretty white people. <laughs> they don't look like me, but I, I'm, I'm looking for myself sometimes um, in the deck, not just in the messages and the meanings, but also in the visual. And it was easy to find myself, so easy to find myself in that, yeah. um, in that deck. So how would you describe that art style? I said blobular. That is probably not the right term. No, I think, I think it's perfect. <laughs> no, but you know, it was, uh, that, that question came up when I was creating it, because when I, I decided that I would I was going to use the body to express feelings. I was like, what kind of body am I going to represent? How, how does that work? How can I connect with everyone and make everyone feel at home? It was not easy. Even choosing a color was hard. I, in the end, the cards ended up being black and pink, black representing the shadow self. And this light pink color to me is kind of like the color of rose quartz, which is a very... Um, soft, inviting, healing uh, color for me, at least personally. And I just, I don't know, I just felt, it just felt right. And I just had to go with it, you know, mm -hmm. but in terms of the, yeah, the, the representing the body, just very naturally when I started drawing, they were just these like very soft, round, full bodies. And to me, that just felt perfect because I want us to inhabit those bodies with everything that we feel and everything that we are. And so that's why they're, pretty voluptuous you know and they move and they, they they're in these crazy postures sometimes because they're either in pain or they're feeling joy and they, they extend and they shrink down and that's that's how my emotions feel within myself yeah so when I went to the uh the bookstore to hear you speak I think you were um, really speaking about an, another another deck but before we get on to that other tarot deck mm -hmm. you know what I what I was really impressed about is as you were speaking you know, you were very open and honest about your own emotional well-being and your own mental health. And sometimes, you know, you know, I work in mental health. This is a, for the most part, a mental health podcast. So we find in our circles that, you know, people are always self-disclosing about whatever it is in their, their mental health journey. And I rarely go places um, unless the book is written by somebody, you know, who's a mental health expert or something where, where people will openly talk about um, their mental health journey. Um, and and so it kind of caught me off guard. I was like, wait, wait, you know, she, she's just saying it. She's like just going out there and, you know, she's owning it. And <laughs> I, I was really, really um, moved by that because, you know, for so many people, it's so hard to discuss what's going on with their mental health and their mental health um, healing journey. So I, I really, you know, appreciate that that had happened, which made me come up and talk to you more about that later. So thank you for doing that. Mm -hmm. 
Well, thank you for saying that because I, I do like to talk about it. I think it's important. I like to hear people talk about it. Some diagnoses are, have a lot of stigma attached to them. So I think any chance I get to open up about my experience of this diagnosis, uh, you know, I, I think it can help remove some of that stigma. So yeah, the, the way you did it was very, very natural, very, it wasn't, um, force or anything like that. You like you just said it and then you kept on moving. And I was like, okay, and that's the way it's done. That is just <laughs> like if somebody were to say, you know, they had asthma or cancer or something like that, it would just be something you say and yeah. you move on. So, um, but we also got to talking too about, um, you know, we talked a little bit already about how you, you have and other people use the um, cards to explore their emotions. And what you told me was really, really interesting. You told me that you have therapists who will call and say, hey, can I get a deck of your cards? So can you talk to me a little bit maybe about how therapists or mental health providers um, are using the Reclaim deck in particular? Oh my gosh, I would love to be able to witness what happens during those sessions when they pull out the cards because I think it's amazing and it makes me so happy. Yeah, it's Shortly after I released the, the first edition a few years ago, I started getting messages from people who either bring their decks to therapy or messages from therapists who purchase the deck to use with their clients and or both because sometimes someone will bring their deck to therapy and then the therapist will buy the deck because they, they love working with it. So they use them as a supportive tool, I guess, a tool to like jumpstart a conversation about certain feelings. Um, I love that it's being used in that way. It was actually a secret attention of mine when I, I created the deck. And so to see it happen was really pretty magical. And oh, wow. I'm very, very honored that it's being used in that way. Because, um, I mean, it is an Oracle deck, but I, to me, it's not really even a, a divination tool. It's a self-discovery tool. It's a, it's, it's, it's a game if you want it to be a game. It's something you can use to journal just you can just look at the cards you don't have to do readings you can just go through them and just think about them a little bit and just get you know connect with those feelings connect with your body just wallow in that space a little bit yeah there's just so many ways you can use it there's really no rules so i wanted to ask you about this other deck I'm going to shift mm -hmm. gears a little bit. That's the Lilifer, which is which is a tarot deck, which again, uses some of the same sort of physical structures of the body types, but I was confused by the name. Yeah. So let's start from there. Like, like how did you move from doing Reclaim to then creating a tarot deck, Lilifer? So uh, I, I always had, you know, a tarot deck in the back of my mind, but I found it very intimidating because tarot comes with a set of rules and I didn't want to like, I was worried that I would not do it justice or that I would you know get it wrong somehow. Uh, but after, you know, the Oracle deck came out and it went well, I, I wasn't so scared anymore. And I figured, you know, this is my chance to get really colorful, really creative. And so I picked up some watercolors and I started painting and I had the result is well, pretty whimsical and, and fun and flowy and very, very colorful. That was really fun. It was healing in another way. It was because I allowed myself to get really colorful, which is something that was difficult for me in the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. My art back in the day was very, very dark, just black, uh, charcoal, ink, just pretty bleak, you know, and so... 
going into color mode was um, <laughs> it yeah. wasn't even hard. It just came came to me so easily. It just kind of it kind of happened really quickly. Do you think that you had that part of your you know healing journey? Do you feel like that shifted a little bit, like as you were understanding yourself better, understanding your emotions better, et cetera, that now it's kind of like, oh, wow. Like I always say there was a light switch off and there's a light switch on. And in much of my life, mm-hmm. I existed with light switch off. And then when light mm-hmm. switch comes on, I'm like this funny, happy, effervescent, tie-dye wearing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, colorful. <laughs> like, do you feel like that's kind of what happened? Yeah, completely. I feel like with the tarot deck, creating it, I felt like I was very much in tune with my child self. I had a lot of trouble accessing my my inner child for a long time. And it's only when I started, you know, create, you know, creating those cards that it, it really happened. And now I feel much more connected with her and we have little conversations. But I used to be very resentful towards my inner child. I I was angry at her for being so shy, which is not very nice. <laughs> oh, wow. Yep. Uh, my inner child is always out, by the way. So I'm just like a giant outer inner child. <laughs> so I don't know how to describe That's that. Great. But yeah. That's yeah. Great. But I, I felt that in your deck, you know, the um, once once I got it, I mean, and there's still some other pieces I'm going to ask you about that. Um, it just did have this lighter feeling to it. This, um, mm-hmm. um, I want to say a, a sense of play and whimsy with the, mm-hmm. is it a wolf or a dog that's always kind of like present playing around yeah, and playing with the people. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. But the name of the deck, let's get there. Let's let's talk about it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So let's the, talk name, about it. It, the name is, uh, is Lilifer, which is half of Lilith and half of Lucifer so brought together. I chose these two entities as my guides in a way as I was creating it because I've identified with them for a long time. I see them as the the outcast, the underdog, the rejected, bullied entities. And so, I, you know, I felt that way for most of my childhood. And so it's something that was very, again, it's that anger, that rage that I have in me um, that is misinterpreted. <laughs> Yeah. It's actually just a sense of loneliness and feeling rejected and being desperate to connect, you know, and be a part of something. And so, they, yeah, they were my guys as I was creating the deck. Yeah. All these little creatures on the cards are clearly not human. They come in every color. There's blue, yellow, green people, little devils everywhere. <laughs> So they're just pictures, you know, they don't have the answers, but instead they they mirror them back to us. And so it's really up to us to develop an ability to communicate with these images and to read into the symbolism and find meaning is very personal. It's about really coming home to yourself by looking at those pictures. And there are rules, there's a structure to tarot, but within these rules, we're really free to develop our own language with the cards and what the card means to me is probably going to be a different meaning for you. And that's totally okay. You know, there's like, there's commonalities and then there's your own language that you develop and then tarot becomes really yours. Yes, definitely. Like, I don't know all the rules. I know some of them. I'm Mm -hmm. learning them bit by bit. I mean, the first tarot deck I got, you know, I think is very similar to many people's story about, you know, getting a tarot deck is sometimes, you know, somewhere in their 
teens, maybe preteens, mm-hmm. and usually over some angsty something, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or just curiosity, right? I think I got it out of curiosity because it was in a bright yellow box, which attracted my attention. You know, I, I never really thought much about them. And then the, the next deck I got, and it was probably during not the best time in, in my life, and it was a um, one of these like apocalyptic <laughs> decks that was... Mm-hmm based on a tarot system, but also a game. I forget the name of it. And I was more fascinated by the art than the structure Mm -hmm. and that I could, you know, tell stories. I could look at a picture and I could tell myself a story or develop a story that may or may not have had anything to do with the rule or meaning of the card. It was more about what is the image telling me and what can I do with it? And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sort of that way still today, even though mm-hmm. I want to learn more about the rules, but I'm I'm more fascinated by the pictures, the images, what stories I can tell to myself or to others mm-hmm. or how they connect with me. And they do something to exercise my brain. I'm going to be mm-hmm. very honest with you <laughs> that, mm-hmm. you know, creativity, I think creativity can come naturally and it also needs to be exercised. That's what I feel. I'm not saying that's what people shall do, must do. But for me, as I get older, um, and yes, I was doing air quotes, people, that, <laughs> um, you know, making sure that my I, I have a good memory and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I find exercising my creativity helps with all of that too. So that's the other reason I like the tarot decks and things. I, I, I'm like you. I have a, I read tarot very intuitively. Uh, I do know the rules somehow, but I don't really... I always have a trouble like learning something by heart and just memorizing, you know, meanings and things like that. So I like to just look at the picture and let it tell me a story. I'm a very, very visual person, you know, being an artist. And that's why every single card has its own little story in it. Uh, I'm actually working on the next edition of the Reclaim Oracle right now. So I created it almost four years ago, and I feel like I've grown a lot as a person, you know, since. And um, so I want to take that into consideration when I go into making the next, the new deck. Um, I'm thinking about removing certain cards and creating new ones just to have a bit more balance in the deck. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm reaching out to my community to try and figure it out. I want this to be a group effort because maybe, maybe I need to really tap into the collective need and their experience to, to guide me. I like to do that because, I mean, I make the deck for other people, not just for me. So while, you know, it's inspired by my feeling experience, I want it to be helpful. We, we have different experiences. So that's why I, I try to reach out to people as much as I can and try to hear them out and create something that is more balanced and more, more useful. I love the fact that you're involving the community that's so powerful and that you use the word community. You know, this, again, it's not a closed community. It's an open community Mm -hmm. when we're talking about people who enjoy tarot and and Oracle, you know, and yes, within the community, there can be like, you know, some interesting things that happen. You know, people Mm -hmm. are people, we're all human. But at the end of the day, it does feel like people know each other. I was surprised when I went to the bookstore. It's Mm -hmm. not a bookstore that's terribly close to me. I mean, it's 
town I used to live in, you know, people knew each other. I was like, well, how did they, how did these guys know each other? Like people were saying hey to each other, found somebody who had the same name as myself. I'm like, wow, this is like really, I've seen it in the virtual world, in the mm-hmm. YouTube world, et cetera, Discord, all of that. But um, to actually go in and kind of see how people are interacting with each other as part of a yeah. community was really, really cool. That, that, was, that, cool. that was an amazing moment for me because I, I very rarely get to meet people who are familiar with my work and so it was well first I was very moved that they all came to listen to me uh once I got through the initial panic you know I was just so happy <laughs> but it did take yeah. me almost a week to recover emotionally because I'm, I don't do that much you know I, I'm not used to you know speaking <laughs> with, with my actual yes. voice and yeah. especially like in front of people that was very scary but I'm so glad I did it yeah, you did a great job. It was wonderful. Thank you. I felt like a train wreck inside my brain, but um <laughs> Yeah. Well, that means you're doing it right. I hate to say that. That uh and I, I'm a speaker, trainer, whatever. I, I do it a lot and mm-hmm. people think I do it with ease. They have no idea what's going on up in my head, like how I'm mm-hmm. beating myself up, like why didn't I say that oh or I should have said it that yeah. way. Mm-hmm. But I I found too that, you know, when people who who say they don't have any anxiety when they speak either one they're probably not being super truthful or or two they actually don't come off as authentic and yes. hard to connect to etc mm-hmm. because they're a little bit too confident so i think it's always good to have mm-hmm. some anxiety not overings <laughs> um but um yeah and i think we all you know go through some levels of like, I hate my voice. I don't listen to my podcast. Okay, I said that on my podcast. What's the matter with me? <laughs> but um, it is hard for me to listen to my own voice, too. So because um, I was bullied about it when I was a kid. So it's Aww. something I have to grow into. So um, you're creating, um, you're uh, re-looking at re- Reclaim. You're reclaiming Reclaim. Um, mm-hmm. and you're going to possibly add some new cards and things like that or new images, which I think is fantastic. And and thank you for reaching out to the community to give some feedback on that. As we wrap up, if you had like one thing that you wanted our listeners to know, and our listeners are varied from people with lived experience to providers, to mental health policy folks, to young people, school administrators. I mean, it's just all over the place who who listens, which is great. Like what piece of advice would you give them? What one thing would you want them to know? I call it wisdom dropping. I don't know. The first thing my mind went to was listen to children. Uh, I wish, I wish the adults would have paid attention to what I was feeling when I was little. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because now I have to do this work as an adult of like trying to bring those feelings back to the surface so that I can experience it. And I feel like I, I'm i behind in life because I'm having to do this work now because I wasn't able to do it. I wasn't able to really grow into my full self when I was younger. So mm-hmm. I really, I think we need to pay attention to children, um, hold space for them to speak freely, to be creative, so they can really grow into people who can help people if you I mean and if you if you don't have children around you talk to your inner child like reconnect pay attention and they're they're right there they're just desperate probably for a chance to speak for a chance to express themselves so journal be creative uh, pick up some talk to people yeah I really think that healing the children is really the key to 
that sounds corny, but healing the world, you know? <laughs> Bring it on. It's all good. I love it. I love it. Snaps, claps, you know, thumbs up is what I say when I'm in just uh, excited about what people have to say, which I'm so excited to hear you talk about. Listen to the children, whether it be children around you or your inner child. It's just wonderful. And yeah, corny or not, I love it. Maybe it can <laughs> heal the world. I, I, uh, I'll i go there. I'll go there with you. So before we sign off, also, where can people get your cards? We'll put it in the description, but can you um, uh, tell folks where they can um, learn more about your work? Yes, I have a website. It's a little-darkness.com. And I'm also on Instagram at littledarkpress. Awesome. Want to make sure we get uh, folks, since we've talked about it, they may want to have visuals of what we're talking about. Yes. All right. <laughs> Thank you so, so, so much for joining me. And for our, our listeners, y'all know what to do. My, my producer says you got to do that thing, like subscribe, comment, all of that's great, whatever. But I think the biggest thing that folks could do is um, share the podcast with other folks because you never know who needs to hear the wonderful wisdom and messages that are shared by our guests. So please make sure to share. And until next week, we will see you again on Unapologetically Black Unicorns.